Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. So glad that you are joining me today. And I hope that um, you've had a wonderful uh, last week and that this week coming up is going to be blessed for you. And I think you're going to like my guest that I have today. I've had her before, and I know from what I've heard that many of you have enjoyed the last one that we did, and that was on becoming a woman um, that man, uh, what a, uh, the woman that every man desires. And I really enjoy the interview that we had with her. And so this is Sharon James. And if you weren't listening, weren't able to listen to that show, I want to encourage you to go to the website. And that's at CynthiaHyatt.com. And just to give you a little bit of idea of who Sharon is, she's an inter- international inspirational speaker and a Bible teacher for women's conferences and events. And she has also authored several different books. And we are having her on again one more time, which I'm very excited about. She's written quite some extraordinary books. And she's written Becoming the Woman of His Dreams, which we talked about last two weeks ago, Your Scars Are Beautiful to God, and The Power of a Woman's Words. And today we are talking with um, her about her, her book, I'm Not Good Enough, and Other Lies That Women Tell Themselves. So she is also married and has one son. And I'm very glad to have you today, Sharon. Thank you for being here. Say hello to the guests, the, well, the thanks, listeners. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Well, I appreciate it. And we really enjoyed the last one. I had a lot of fun talking about that that book and the insights that you have. And just how honest you are is really helpful. <laughs> I am any, I am very honest. That's one thing. My you husband know, sometimes says, I can't believe you're telling people I that. know. So does my husband say the same thing. He's like, stop using me as an example. <laughs> So, but we know the truth sets us free, right? Right. Yeah. So we are talking today about this book, I'm Not Good Enough. Now, when did you write this book? Ah, this book has been out uh, for quite a while. I have to go back and look. Um, It came out in, let's see, 2009. So, yeah, it's been out a while. Now, you have written a lot of books. How long do these take you generally to write? Uh, About a year. I give myself usually about a year to write a book. They're very, it's good. You're very a very prolific writer, which I am always very impressed with because writing, I do not like writing. <laughs> and when I meet I writers, writing. yeah, I, when I meet people that are writers, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I, I really am. It's, it's such a grueling process for me to have to do it. So, <laughs> I love writing. Here we, well, I can tell because they're very good. So here we are. And let, let's just talk for a minute about what prompted you writing this book. What's the impetus of this book? Well, I wrote another book called um, Becoming Spiritually Beautiful. And that book really focuses on um, your true identity in Christ and learning how to leave the past behind. And I had about four pages in that book on how to replace the lies with the truth. And over the years, women would come up to me and they would um, start talking to me about those four pages. And that they would show me those pages in their book and they would be underlined and dog-eared. And I thought, mm. you know... 
this apparently is striking a chord with a lot of people, and replacing the lies with the truth is difficult. Yes. So yes. I decided that four pages was simply not enough. <laughs> so this book came out of those simple four pages of becoming spiritually beautiful and just expounded more on how to go through that process of, of changing the way you think. Because what happens, Cynthia, is we, we come to Christ and what we would really like to happen <laughs> is for God to push this delete button on our old thought patterns and for all those old way of thinking, that for all that to go away. But as we know, it does not. Absolutely. And just like a computer, those old thought patterns are still there. And we try to change our actions. I think that's our... Um, our initial response to becoming a Christian is we try to change the way we, we act and our habits. But what Scripture tells us is that we can't act differently than we think. So the first thing we have to do is to change the way we think. And there's a simple Scripture about that. It says that do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And here's the kicker, transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're, again, we're not transformed by changing our actions. We're transformed by changing the way we think, and then the actions follow. So that's kind of the key premise of this book. How do we change the way we think? And the thinking that we women tend to struggle with, and I've since, you know, I know that men struggle with this too, but my, my core audience that I'm speaking to is, is women. If we have that feeling that we're not good enough. Oh, that horrible, inadequate enough, feeling. Yes, that worthlessness. Right. Um, and that goes to, you know, I'm not I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm smart enough, I'm not a good enough mother, I'm not a good enough wife. You know, and the list just goes on and on and on. So that's the key lie that I brought out um, in the title. But there's a lot of lies that I talk about in the book. So what, what's the, what do you think is really the biggest lie the enemy does to women? Um, that we're not enough, period. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. that ambiguous, and then we just fill the blanks in with whatever that, that enough is. That in with so many things, and uh, you know we can take this all the way back to the Garden of Eden because this is where it all started. And we we know that God created Adam and Eve, put them in that perfect perfect environment. They right. were without sin. I mean, Eve was the only woman who ever had a perfect husband, and <laughs> Adam was the only man who ever had a perfect wife. Exactly. But, um, and how, and how well did that work? I know, but you know, just think about that. Um, is, and the other needs were cared for. I mean, they had communion with God. Well, and no stress. God. No stress. Nothing. And no grocery shopping, no laundry. Exactly. It good. It's all good. But then chapter 3 says, now the serpent. And I, that's just, to me, one of the most daunting sentences in the Bible. Now the serpent. And he came into that garden. And what did he do? He lied. And that's the thing we need to know about the devil. Is he's only got one weapon to use against us, really. And that is lies. I mean, he can change it and use, use it in different ways. But the basic premise is he's got one weapon, and it's lies. And that's what he used with Eve. And basically, he told Eve that God was holding out on her, that she thought she had it good in the Garden of Eden. But if she would do that one thing that God told her not to do, then she would be happy. He, he actually said, then you will be like God. You will know the difference between good and evil. He was saying to her, you can be your own God. You don't need him. And that is a, the bottom line lie that he tells most of us when he, in temptation. He will say, if you did this, then you would be happy. You know, it is. And, it's, it's that horrible if only then. Mm-hmm. If, if then. only then. Like yes. if you're not married. 
Right. The lie is, if you were married, right. you would be happy. If you're married, if the you're... lie might be, if you're married to someone else, right. you might be happy. And so that's, you know, the bottom line, God's holding out on you, and he still does the same thing with us. See, that's why it's so important to, to know how the enemy operates in the Bible, because he does the same thing with us. He's not creative. He does the same thing now that he did then, but he's very effective, and he's I think that's so powerful for people to hear because we are so willing to just listen to whatever our mind tells us. We are so willing to believe our thoughts. And I I frequently am telling clients all day, challenge your thinking, challenge your thoughts. You know, is that a correct way to think? Is that a healthy way to think? Is that really the truth? Does it line up with God's word? And, And it's hard to do. It takes effort. It does take effort to think about what you're thinking about. Yes. I mean, really, it's the bottom line. Think about it. And to resist, and to resist thoughts that we, even if they feel true, you know, I think that's the hardest thing is those those thoughts can feel so true, but it doesn't make them true. Absolutely. And until we, you know, have four steps in the book, the, the very first step to replacing the lies with the truth is the number one thing we've got to realize the enemy's true identity. And we have got to realize that there is an enemy out there just as if there was just as there was an enemy in Genesis chapter three. There is an enemy who comes to kill, steal and destroy, and the way he does it is through our thought life. And he is the one that is bringing up those lies, and yes, they feel they feel true to us because he knows exactly he can't read our minds, but he knows exactly where our weak spots are. And all he has to do is to watch it. And if you struggle with insecurity, that's the kind of thoughts he's going to put in your mind. You think the thought, he puts it in there, you think it, and the next thing you know, you feel like it's your thought because it feels right. Because it feels it feels easier for me to say I'm a failure than for me to say I'm a saint chosen by God. And it's just, we have to realize, though, that there is an enemy out there who is feeding us those lies. Well, I think you... you know, I'm sorry, but you can't win a war unless you know who the enemy is. Exactly. And I think that you really hit on a key point of it's easier to believe those lies than to believe the truth. Because the truth maybe hasn't all the way manifested itself, or we might not be recognizing the truth. And so it is that belief issue. Do I believe God's word? Do I believe what he says about me? You know, do I trust him? And and it's hard. It's like a, it's like a child trusting a parent. And there's a verse um, in Ephesians 1.18, and it says that there's incredibly great power for those who believe. And see, the truth is truth, whether we believe it or not. That's very powerful. But it, we're not, it's not going to have power in our lives until we do believe it. There was a bumper sticker a long time ago. It said, God believes it. No, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But the truth is, Cynthia... God said it, and that settles it, <laughs> whether we believe right. it or not. Right. That middle part, whether we believe it or not. Right. However, it's not going to have power in our lives until we do. And if Satan, if the devil can keep you from believing that truth is true about you, then he's won. Well, I think, you know, as you were talking, I just thought about, you know, in the garden, that, that episode, that moment where she believed that lie. And what came with that lie was this feeling that we somehow have had the ability to change the truth or make the truth happen. It's that false empowerment that Eve had, that even though God says it, yeah, but maybe we can affect it. Maybe we can change it. Maybe Instead of just saying, if God says I'm worthy, I'm worthy, whether I believe it or not, and I don't have a say in it. Right. Don't have a say in it. 
but you do have the ability to make it have power in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as long as you say, you know, it's, and it's, sometimes it is easier to, to think that about someone else than it is to, to think it about yourself. Exactly. And, you know, yes. this is another thing. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We go, amen, hallelujah, I believe that. But Jesus also said, you were the light of the world. Well, I want to I want to do this in the next segment because we're here coming to a break. And I really want you to talk more about this, this whole issue of belief and faith and trust and, and, and how it affects, you know, just our whole way of seeing ourselves and our effectiveness. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. You're joining me with Sharon Janes today with her book, I'm Not Good Enough, and Other Lies Women Tell Themselves. If you haven't been able to listen to the show in its entirety or you're not going to be able to stay with us, find it on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. This is 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are joining me today with author Sharon Janes, and she is uh, on the show with one of her one of her books. It's called "I'm Not Good Enough" and other lies that women tell themselves. And I want to encourage you to go to her website. It is SharonJanes.com, and her name is spelled S H A R O N Sharon, and Janes is J A Y N E S dot com. And she has several books. I mean, I, I'm thinking maybe 14 now that I'm looking off the top of my head. Is that how <laughs> many? Twenty maybe, it's coming been, out. My goodness, I'm 20. 20. Well, it's yeah. amazing. I, I just love it. And the topics are so really applicable to us as women. So I'm really excited about it. So we were talking, you know, off air a little bit about this whole idea of really tackling those specific lies, you know, identifying the lie, then being able to tackle it. And you kind of have this this four-step process you were talking about. So let us know kind of what that is. Well, the first step, which we talked about in the first segment, was to realize the enemy's true identity. Okay. Because if you don't know who the enemy is that you're fighting, it is very difficult to win the war. And we see that in, in physical battles, and it's true for the battle of our mind as well. So it is the devil, the, um, the world, the flesh, and the devil is how the, the Bible puts it, that the three battlegrounds. But um, the, the devil's actually the one and is putting those lies into our mind. And then once you realize that the enemy's true identity, the second thing we need to do, Cynthia, is recognize the lies. And as you mentioned in the first segment, these lies feel right. They just yes. feel like they're true. And as long as we're going by our feelings and we think it's true, then we're not going to be able to change our thought process. So we have to realize um, the, the, the lies. And here's the thing. My husband, um, he gets up every morning at 5.30 or so, and he takes a shower, and he jingles keys in his pocket, and the alarm goes off, and he shaves with an electric razor, and I don't hear anything until my alarm goes off about an hour later, and we're in the same room. (laughs) Why is that? Because I've become so accustomed to hearing those noises that my body totally shuts them out, and it can be the same way with the lies. We can tell ourselves lies and not even realize it, so we have to recognize what those lies are, and the way we recognize the lie is by placing it up against God's Word. Is this, does this line up with God's Word? And I love what Dale Moody said. He said, in order to determine if a stick is crooked, you don't argue about it or denounce it. You just simply place it beside a, a stick that's straight. So if you want to know if a thought is, is correct, put it up against God's Word and see if, it, if it's lining up with what God says. And once you recognize 
uh, what that lie is that you're telling yourself. The third step is to reject the lie, and that is to simply say, that's not true. And then once you reject the lie, the fourth step is to replace the lie with truth. And that's exactly what we see that Jesus did when he was um, in the wilderness. After he had fasted for 40 days, the enemy, the devil, came up to him and he began to tempt him. And, and Jesus didn't argue with the devil. He just simply said, it is written. Yes, every exactly. Time, he rejected that lie, and then he replaced the lie with truth. And Cynthia, when you reject the lie and you replace it with the truth, what happens is you will be renewing your mind with the truth. And that'll be changing your thought processes. And this is just, it's not just a, a spiritual concept. This is actually a physiological concept, something that happens in your brain. Because as you think a certain thought pattern, it creates a groove in your mind. That's a thought pattern. And then as you begin to change the way you think, it actually creates new brain patterns. So it's a, and this has been scientifically proven. So that's the process. Well, and I think it's powerful to recognize, you know, when I talk to, to patients about this, as I, I remind them that their brain is an organ like any other organ in your body. It's not, your, it's not you. And so our brain absolutely is organically affected, just like you're saying, by our thought patterns. And we create those neural nets, and they strengthen every time we think on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the easiest way to think about that is a computer. Yes. Um, the computer is, your, is the brain... But the mind, what you think on, is the program that's that right. is put into that computer. So you have the ability to change that program. And delete programs and reinstall programs. And reinstall programs. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. And sometimes those programs get viruses. Right. And you can deal with that as well. Well, I love that because, you know, I, I also think, as you're talking about this, that, that one of the things that helps people understand if they're believing lies is how they feel. Because a lie always brings condemnation. And so when we feel that, that less than feeling or that, you know, I don't measure up or I'm not good enough, um, I'm not worthy, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to enjoy good things, um, you know, whatever, the, whatever it is that we tell ourselves, don't you find that that many times leads to a feeling? Yes, it, the, right. Actually, the thought does lead to a feeling. You're exactly right. And, and in Philippians, it tells us, this long list of, of what to think about. Yes, exactly. And, and I can't even remember all of the things in that verse right now. Is that Philippians that 4, first, is that 4, 8? About four, think on eight. these things, whatever is good, pure, holy, and I can't remember all the right. eight of them. I think there's like eight or something. But I, I do know the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the first one says, think on what is true. Yes, yes. And if we could just do that one thing, we wouldn't even have to think about the others. So, we wouldn't have to worry about the other things in that filter if we would just simply think on what is true. And this is so important. I remember Robert McGee said this. He said, one of the biggest steps that we can take toward consistently glorifying Christ and walking in peace and joy with our Heavenly Father is to recognize the deceit which held us captive. He said, Satan's lies distort our true perspective, warp our thoughts, and produce painful emotions. And if we cannot identify those lies, then it is very likely that we will continue to be defeated by them. And that is why it's so important, Cynthia, to, to stop and think about what you're thinking about. We have got to recognize what those lies are. If you think about someone who goes and works for the bank, um, if they become a bank teller, they don't teach a bank teller what counterfeit money looks like. 
they teach a bank teller what real money looks like, the coloring of it, the markings, um, the different numbers on there, because if she knows what real money looks like or he knows what real money looks like, then they can tell the fake when it comes along. Same way with us. We don't have to study what the lies are. We already know those. We just need to study God's Word to see what the truth is, is that we can line it up beside our thought patterns and see if they're correct. I think that's excellent. So so do you have people like identify what, what lies they have? I mean, I know that you, you have some in your book, and we have about a minute and a half, and we can do some of this more in the next segment. But do you kind of have people identify what their most common lies are, or do you give the most common lies? Uh, well, most common lies, I'm not enough. Yes, exactly. Or I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Very vague, uh, these, these very like overarching, ambiguous statements that the enemy loves to make. Right. Um, I'm, I'm unacceptable. Um, even I'm all alone. We know that's not true. God said he's with us all the time. Um, I'm inadequate. I'm insecure. I'm inferior. I'm, I'm insignificant. Um, if, depending on their past, they could say I'm used goods. Nobody would want me. God wouldn't want to use me. You know, I'm powerless. We know that is definitely not true for a Christian. But identifying those, I'm helpless. Um, I can never figure this out. I can't do anything right. And um, I can't let anybody know about my past. I can't, right. I can't forgive so-and-so. Um, I'll, I'll never amount to anything. I, mean, I could go on and on. And end of the book, I think I have like 80. You 80. do. You do. It's amazing. And then you always refute it with the truth. So we're coming up here on a hard break. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And you are joining me with um, author Sharon Janes. And she is talking about her book, I'm Not Good Enough, and Other Lies Women Tell Themselves. So join me in the next half hour. We are going to talk more with her about this. And if you would like to listen to the rest of the show, you can always join in on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com to listen to the podcast. Well, this is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to uh, Conversations with Cynthia. So glad that you joined me. And we have author Sharon Janes on today. And this right now is our shortest segment. So I want to make sure that I let her tell you how you can get a hold of her, um, get a hold of her books and the new book that she's coming out. So Sharon, thank you for being with us again today. You are so welcome. And I love to hear from listeners. Um, my website is SharonJanes.com, and it's S-H-A-R-O-N. And my last name's a little tricky. It's J-A-Y-N, as in Nancy, E-S.com. And on the website, there's so many free things you can go in there and click on and print out, so many resources. And it has the books listed, and I love speaking at women's events, so there's a list of topics, just suggestions. Uh, so, you know, I'd love to hear from you. You get my email, simply Sharon at SharonJanes.com. And I'm also... Um, all over social media, love connecting with people that way. Just Facebook, just simply Sharon Janes, and um, I love to post on there and read other people's posts and have a blog that goes out about every other week. Uh, so, yeah, twice a month. And then I write for um, a wonderful ministry called Girlfriends and God, and we have daily devotions that go out. Um, we have over 500,000 subscribers, so you can simply go to girlfriendsandgod.com and get lots and lots of encouragement, videos, and Bible studies, and free Bible study guides. So I'd love to um, connect with you there. And Cynthia, I have a new book coming out uh, May the 3rd, and it's called Take Hold of the Faith You Long For, teaching us how to let go, to move forward, and how to live bold. Oh, 
I love it. I'm seeing it right here on your website. Take hold, and, uh, take hold yeah, of the faith very, and love for I'm very, very excited it. about that book. And the premise of the book, um, I, and, and this really ties in, too, with what we're talking about today um, on, on how to defeat the lies and, and replace the lies with truth in the book, I'm Not Good Enough. But if you've ever watched a, um, if you've watched a trapeze artist, what happens is they normally swing out and then they swing back. And on the third swing, they take hold of another bar. And that's when they do the flips and the somersaults and the triple spins. But what if, when the, when the trapeze artist took hold of that second bar, they refused to let go of the first one? Well, then they would be left hanging in the middle. And that's where so many of us end up living our Christian life. And, and Paul tells us, he said, take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. We need to take hold of everything that God has taken hold of for us and put in us through Christ Jesus. And we want to do that. We want to grow. But studies show that about 68% of Christians would say they've plateaued, they have plateaued or they're, they're moving backwards, they're, they're not growing. So what's keeping us from moving forward and taking hold? I think it's like the trapeze artists who wouldn't let go. There's things from our past that we won't let go of. So author this book, I'm, I'm looking at how to take hold of one thing and let go of another, how to take hold of our true identity in Christ and how to let go of insecurity, how to take hold of our uniqueness, our uniqueness that God has fashioned us to be and let go of comparison. So we're talking about all the things that hold us hostage to, to moving forward in our faith and how to let those things go and to take hold of all the promises of God. Oh, I think it's amazing. You know, I just, I am such an analogy person, so I love all your analogies. Well, it helps me. I think God speaks to me in pictures, and you know that's what Jesus did. Well, oh, it gets those parables exactly. Yeah, and also in the book Take Hold, which is um, it's now available on Amazon CBD. Um, you can pre-order it on my website, uh, Books a Million. It's it's already out there, um, even though it's not shipped out yet. But the the premise I use in teaching through this is. And, you know, I'm a big storyteller, so there's lots of stories. But I'm talking about Moses and how when, you know, Moses was born into a life of privilege. But then at 40, he failed and he bailed and he ran away to the wilderness. And I don't know about you, Cynthia, but I've done that a time <laughs> myself. But then God caught him to an amazing purpose. And as soon as he did, God began, I mean, Moses began to argue with God. And it's in answering those four arguments that we will learn how to live bold. He asked, he said, God, who am I? We've got to know who we are as a child of God. He said, God, who are you? And God said, I am. And he is the God who fills in our blanks. So he, every time we say, I am not enough, you know what God says? He says, I am. So we look at that. Mm, yes. The God who I am. The God of I am. And then the third thing, but what if they don't believe me? That was Moses' third argument. And the reason he said that is because they didn't believe him in the past. He was using his past to stop him in the present, from doing what God called him to do. And then his last argument was, but I'm not a good speaker. And why did he say that? The only way we say, the reason we say I'm not a good enough whatever is by comparing ourselves to other people. So the lesson we learn there is that the measuring stick will get you stuck. So we need to let go of comparison and take hold of our the unique way that God has fashioned us. Oh, that is that is amazing. I'm looking forward to that book. So we're coming up on a break. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we are going to have you in one more segment. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And Sharon Janes is here today talking about I'm not good enough and other lies women tell themselves. And if you're not able to hear the entire show 
Visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Also, my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. And we will see you in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a um, um, very special guest that I've had before, and I just love her writing. She is Sharon Janes, and this book is I'm Not Good Enough and Other Lies Women Tell Themselves. So if you're just joining in right now, you can also listen to the show in its entirety on my website as a podcast, and that is CynthiaHyatt.com. And that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. It's spelled just like it sounds. And I always love, love it when you visit my uh, Facebook page, and that's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. And love to hear your comments and the things that you like and the things that you need. So, Sharon, welcome back. Thank you. This is our last segment with you today. So I appreciate you being here. And we are going to talk about really the whole four-step process of recognizing those lies and the main biggest one the enemy tells us, and that is, I'm not good enough. Great. Well, we looked, we looked a little bit at these four steps, so let's go over them again, Cynthia. Okay. Um, the first step is that we've got to realize the enemy's true identity. <clears throat> because if we don't know who the enemy is in any battle, we're not going to win. And, it's, you know, the enemy's not our husbands. It's not our parents. The, the real enemy is I think you should say that one more time because <laughs> I think we, we really do make enemies horizontally and don't recognize that it's more vertical, that it's the enemy right. beneath us, not right. around us. Right. It's not, it's not your neighbor. It's not your husband. It's not your parents. But the real enemy um, is the devil himself. And, right. And we learned that right from the beginning of Scripture in, in Genesis chapter 3 when he's blizzard into the garden and he still comes into our lives and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we've got to realize that there is an enemy out there who wants to destroy us and the way he does it is through our thought life. And once we know, <clears throat> once we realize the enemy's true identity, then we need to secondly recognize what those lies are. And the way we recognize the lies that we tell ourselves is by knowing God's Word. Does it line up with God's Word? And, and this is not in Scripture, Cynthia, but if someone doesn't know a lot of Scripture, you know, simply just add in Jesus' name at the end of that thought. Like, I can't oh, interesting. Right in Jesus' name. You know, it just doesn't sit <laughs> right, really, does it? That is excellent. <laughs> or you could say, I will never forgive that man in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm going to use, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> I'm going to use that. That is great. <laughs> um, but then the... After we recognize what the lie is, then the, we simply reject the lie. We just stop and we say, that is not true. That is not true. We just reject it right off. And then the, the fourth step is once you reject the lie, then you replace it with the truth. And this is where the fun comes in because once you reject the lie, you say it's not true, and you replace it with the truth from God's Word, then your brain begins to change. Your thought processes begin to change. And that's what the Bible calls renewing your mind. It says, do not be conformed any longer to this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as you replace those lies with God's truth, it begins to change the way you think, and then that begins to change the way you act and to change the way you feel. And see, so many times we try to do it backwards. We want to change our actions and change our feelings, but we cannot do it until we change our thought processes first, because both of those come out of our thought process processes, and that's why it's so important. 
Well, I think that's I think that's really paramount because many times we think that if we act better, then it will change our core belief. Now, it does make us feel better temporarily, and it might help to dislodge that belief a little bit, you know, but we really have to start with what's in our mind and that what we are believing on a regular basis, even on a subconscious level. Right. And, you know, that this works with children as well. We try to change a child's behavior or a teenager's behavior, but really where we need to start is change the way that child sees himself. Absolutely. Change the way that... that teenager sees herself or himself, if they truly see that they are a temple of God, that they're a child of God, that they're deeply loved by God, that they're fashioned uniquely for a specific purpose by God, that changes action. And so we're, we're doing it all backwards most of the time. Right, exactly. The exactly. Instead of changing the way that they see themselves and the way they think. Well, because then when we fail with the action and we go back to the old action, then we reinforce the lie we're trying to get rid of. Right. We say, well, that, that's who I am. Exactly. And it, and it, either, it, it even, you know, we call, I, I've heard this so much in the church, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, that, that you might get some cause of people complaining, but that right. specific <laughs> sentence is not in Scripture. That's right. It says, yes, I was a sinner, and yes, I am saved by grace. But once you come to Christ, God calls you a saint. That's right. He did not write, Paul did not write to the sinners in Philippi or the sinners in Colossae. He, he wrote to the saints every time. And saint does not, mean, does not mean perfect. It simply means I've been set apart by God for holy purposes. That's what the word saint means, and that's how he sees it. So now why do I tell you that? Because when someone fails and they just say, well, I'm, a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then what are you going to act like? You're going to act like a sinner saved by grace. Exactly. But if you see yourself as, as set apart for holy purposes, then and you really believe that, then that'll be more likely the way you act. Well, that, that's that's the key. When you said earlier, you know, we do the behavior and we think, well, that's who I am. If we really rearrange our thinking and we say, I'm a saint, not a sinner, then when I don't act like a saint, quote unquote, then I can just remind myself, oh, that's really not who I am. Right. I need I'm to do that it. differently. That's not who I am. Right. I think it's very powerful. It's very very (laughs) powerful. So where do you go from there? Well, I think, you know, just looking at some of the the lies that we typically believe, and I think for women, the biggest one is I'm not good enough. I mean, we we say that to ourselves. And we are so hard on ourselves. We are hard. And, you know, men are too. Yes. But, again, you know, mainly I'm, I'm speaking women and just that whole idea I'm not a good enough wife, I'm not a good enough mother, I'm not a good enough friend, I'm not a good enough daughter, um, just that whole thing. And I'm not of, pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not talented enough, all those terrible things mm-hmm. that the enemy just loves to watch us do. Right, and that and he's the one putting those thoughts in there. And we get that message, though, from the, from the world, the flesh, and the devil, is what Scripture says, and we live in a world um, that tells us that we're not enough. I mean, even at the checkout counter at the grocery store, we'll look at a woman on a magazine and feel like we're not good enough. But the truth is, Cynthia, that woman doesn't look like that either. Right. Well, and I, I you know, at the checkout, I look at the other person and think, oh, shoot, they're, they're shopping better than I am. Oh. <laughs> they have better things in their cart. Maybe I should go back. These are not. <laughs> so we judge ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but that is one of the... the enemy's favorite lies. Well, you know, the other thing I find about the enemy that I that has really helped me, and I tell this to clients all day, is I say, even if the enemy is 
telling you the truth, quote unquote, like, yes, I did sin. Absolutely. That is a fact. But even if he's using that and telling me the truth, he's only using it to lie to me. So he's telling me, he's condemning me with my behavior to tell me I'm a terrible person. So I'm never to listen to the enemy ever, ever. He is never allowed to speak into my life. The only one that speaks into my life is God and the people that God has assigned around me to support, encourage, and help me grow. Right. And when you have the thought that I sinned, I really messed up, I really blew it this time, and you have already asked God to forgive you, when you have that thought, it says in Scripture that if you ask, if you confess your sin to God and you, you ask Him to forgive you, He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is the truth. So the next time when you have that thought again, I, man, I really messed up. That was just horrible. Rather than think that thought, you say, but God has forgiven me for that, and he has forgotten it's been cleansed. So, again, that is recognizing that life when you tell yourself that you're not forgiven and replacing it with the truth that you are. And I think the more you do it, like the way you talk about it, it is kind of just second nature to you now. I mean, you practice this all the time. Yes, but I will tell you, and I just wrote an article today for, for someone else, for Ann Boskamp, as a matter of fact, Bennett, um, um, about the rooster crowing. <laughs> tell, what, tell me. I, yeah. I, this is another analogy. I can feel it coming. Yeah, tell yeah, me. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, but I was sitting on my porch, and I, there's a rooster that crows somewhere, and, I'm, and I hear the rooster crowing. You know, and I think about Peter. And when he said that he, you know, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, oh, I'd go to death with you. But then he did just that, that, and he heard the rooster crow. And then what What do you think happened the next day when he heard the rooster crow? Mm, and the next yes, day, and the next yes. day, every time it reminded him of his failure. But what we can do, instead of when we hear that rooster crow in our own heart, in the morning, first thing in the morning, we hear that, that condemnation. Instead of hearing that rooster crow and condemning us in our heart, we can hear that rooster crow with the devil reminding us. And we can use that as an opportunity to say, Yes, I did that, and God forgave me. Praise God. So we can turn that into just a song of praise. And that is the replacing. Right, right. And that makes him so mad he'll quit doing it. Don't you <laughs> he has to find a new way. <laughs> That's right. Well, that is really powerful. So have you found that women have really benefited from this? Absolutely, yes. Um, they're just having the four, the four steps and being able to, I think the main thing is, to realize that that's what they're telling themselves is a lie. Because if you don't realize it's a lie, it's, it's, you're going to think that's who you are. That, well, that, that's, I, that's the key. They've got to realize that what they're telling themselves is a lie. I think that, I, is, that, is, that is an issue of trust. And, and I think that leads me into, and we only maybe have about maybe a minute, and I probably didn't leave you enough time, but, you know, God really laid on my heart as I, looked at, as I read the book the God is pun- that God is punishing me lie. Can you take a minute and just really refute that and where that comes from? Because I really think that there's someone listening today that really needs to hear this. Right. And, and, you know, bad things happen to all of us because we live in a, far, in a fallen world. And I remember when um, I was pregnant with my second child and, and the baby died. And yes. that was my first thought was, God, are you punishing me for something? And, and that was a lie. It was absolutely a lie. Um, that just bad things happen to us and... and we can't figure out why God allows bad things to happen to us any more than a amoeba can fig- to try to figure out how a, a human brain works. Exactly. Uh, because <laughs> his ways are, are higher than our ways. And, and Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. It is a promise. So when we have that trouble, we shouldn't think 
that it's because God is punishing us because it says right here in John 13, in John 16:33, in this world you will have trouble. That is the truth. And James tells us to count it all joy when we go through trials. So right here it's telling us we are going to have trials. That doesn't mean God is punishing us. Even in Scripture, when you look at, for, for my example of losing a child, women who were struggling with infertility in Scripture, um, Elizabeth. Right, exactly. She, it says she was a godly, righteous woman. God wasn't punishing her. He just had a different plan for her. And so that's what Well, see, and I think it all, it all comes back down to trust. And it's that, that feeling that, you know, if, you know, God must be punishing me. And if he is, then maybe if I just do it better, it won't happen again. Or things will, I can somehow control the outcome and I can have better, I can have better outcome instead of just recognizing that, yes, there are some natural logical consequences to my life, but then I do live in a fallen world and bad things are going to happen. And that's where God's grace, his love, his support, his hope comes in and not to personalize all these things. Yeah, and God still does punish us sometimes. So Absolutely. We're not, we're not negating that. Right. I mean, there's certain laws. He does chastise that, us, yes. Right. Certain laws that are set up in nature if you jump off a building. Right. That's the natural logical consequence. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the chastening that he does because he loves us. He disciplines us. Right. But, you know, these things like, you know, losing a baby, that, you know, this is not the, the heart of God. Well, I, you know, I only have one minute, and I am so glad that you joined us today. So do you have parting words, and maybe let us know how to get a hold of you again, and what you, and then you have this new book coming up. So give us that in about a minute. Right. Well, I, I do love um, hearing from listeners, so you can reach me online. My website is SharonJanes.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-J-A-Y-N-E-S.com, and you can email me at Sharon at SharonJanes.com. And I also have a brand new book coming out in May. It's um, available for pre-order called Take Hold of the Faith You Long For. And it's teaching us all how to um, let go of what we need to let go of, how to move forward, and how to live bold. Well, thank you so much for being on. And we are going to have you on again. I think we have you one more time. And we are talking about... um, Your scars are beautiful to God. So, listeners, keep... um, Keep aware on Facebook and and my website, and you will know the next time that Sharon is. It's a couple of weeks. Have a great week. God bless you. And visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and we'll talk to you next week. ...and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.